And so this morning we're talking about leveraging your life for God's kingdom. Leveraging your life for God's kingdom. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 4. The the text today will come from verses 18 to 22. And so we're going to be looking at that. And, you know, uh, understanding and knowing our role in God's kingdom is really not that complicated. I know a lot of times we... We process it, and, and, and from time to time, we can over-spiritualize things, and, and we just want to know what it is that God has designed us for, what he's created us for, and we want to know God's will for our life. But when you look into the scriptures and you, 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 you begin to understand what it was that Jesus was teaching his disciples, we begin to realize real quickly that it's really not that complicated, that he, he really had sort of a simple plan that he presented to his disciples, and it's by the Spirit of God, it's by the power of God that they were able to accomplish supernatural things and that we are able to see those things today. We see lives transformed, not by our own ability, but by the presence of a Holy Spirit that lives within us and, and, and among us. And so uh, in the same way, the disciples were running on, they were, they were living on, they were functioning by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and so we look into the scriptures and we begin to see that a lot of the things that, that Jesus was, was teaching, if you really dive down into it, really weren't that complicated. We basically, as we take a look at the gospels and, and the writings of scripture, we begin to look at Jesus' life. And that's really the first place to start, isn't it? Who was Jesus? And that's a question that we should always be asking ourselves. Who was Jesus? I mean, who was this guy, and why was it that he came, and what was his purpose? And so we look at uh, who Jesus is. We also begin to look at what he's teaching his disciples. What were those things that he was teaching them? What are the lessons that they were learning from Jesus? What is it that he was, he was proclaiming, and as he went about doing ministry, as he launched his ministry, and he had these, these disciples following him, What was it that he was teaching them? What was the purpose of his lessons? And then the third thing that we can look at to really glean some information from and and understand our role in God's kingdom is how did they respond to that? You know, oftentimes we see people like Peter who responded negatively. I mean, he he, kind of got it wrong, right? And so uh, I I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I, I don't believe I always get it right, you know? And and what do we see in, in Peter's life? We see rebuke. You know, Jesus will say, Peter, what are you doing, man? And, and sometimes I feel like that's what God's saying to me sometimes. But, but the reality is we look at the way the disciples responded to the teachings of Jesus. And as they were, as he was teaching, they responded. But a lot of times they got it right. They were, they were doing the things that they were instructed to do. And they were carrying out the will of the Father. And they were learning from Jesus. And they were gathering what it was that they needed to know so that they could live uh, their life for God's glory and ultimately leverage their life for God's kingdom. And so that's what we see as we begin to dive into the scriptures. This morning we're looking at the gospel of Matthew. It is the first book of the, of the New Testament and we open it up and we begin to read. We, we start off there in the gospel of Matthew with the genealogy and the birth of Jesus. We see where he came to this earth and we, we study all of that and how he was born and, 
and, and we begin to read that. And then as we read through the Gospel of Matthew, we begin to see where there was a man named John the Baptist who was paving the way for Jesus. He was, he was out there proclaiming that there would be one who would come. And then when Jesus came, it was John the Baptist who took him and baptized him, even though he felt as though he was unworthy because he knew who Jesus was, right? He knew, and he was like, man, you need to be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, I came into these waters that you would baptize me. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And so we, we see this man named John the Baptist who sort of uh, surfaces, and we hear about him. And then we read in, in chapter 4 where Jesus was led into the wilderness, and it was there that he was tempted by the devil, and he was, uh, he was there for a while, but he never fell to the temptations of the devil. He was able to stay strong, and, and he, was sta he was able to, to not sin, and he lived this, this life uh, of sinlessness. And, and then we continue, and, it, and we read where Jesus begins to preach, and he ultimately launches his ministry. And so as he, he's preaching the gospel now, he's, he's on this path of, of, of carrying out the mission in which he came for, and as he's carrying out this mission, he's preaching the gospel, and we come to this text that we're going to be looking at today. And we're starting in verse 18, and let's read this together uh, as a faith family. So read this with me, if you will, verse 18 and following. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, it says in the scriptures, that they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I, I want to ask you a question here this morning for just a moment. Would you ever imagine that these four men ever thought that they would ever do anything with their life other than catch fish. You know, I look at this story, and it's, it's really, and I know this seems very simplistic, but I really believe there's, it can be very profound when you begin to dive into it, and you begin to look at it. And one of the questions that sort of came to my mind as I was praying through this and reading through this passage was this, this reality that, that I can only imagine that these four men, as they were carrying out their weekly duties, their daily duties as fishermen, gathering smelly fish and hoping to sell them to people who needed to buy fish for, to sustain in, in life, that these men who were fishermen, they probably never thought that they would ever be doing anything else with their life other than catching fish. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. I want you to think about that. And I want you to allow that to sort of penetrate into your mind and your heart for just a moment because I believe the reality is, is that many of us are sitting here today and whatever it is that we do from day to day, we often think that this is all we're ever going to do with our life. 
And we come to a place where we think that maybe this is all that is in store for me. Maybe we're comfortable in that place. Maybe we don't want any more in our life than that. Maybe we're at a place where we, 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 we're just completely con content with our life the way it is. But, but many of us are sitting here today and we're probably thinking that this is it. This is what my life is all about. And I can almost imagine that these men... If, if, if they weren't considering it, it would have been a time in their life when Jesus calls out to them and, and challenges them with something else that they probably would have considered it then. And so here we have the situation unfolding that is really remarkable. We have the story of these four men going about their life, never in their wildest dreams, never in a, a million years did they think about impacting the world for God's glory. And yet along comes Jesus. And Jesus calls out to them. And Jesus invites them. Jesus invites them to be a part of something much bigger than themselves. Jesus invites them to not only be a part of something much bigger than themselves, but much bigger than the life in which they knew. Jesus calls out to them. He, he knows what they do for a living. He sees them at work. He calls out to them, and he says to them, I want you to consider something else to do with your life. I, I noticed that you're fishermen, and, and you're no doubt catching fish, and you're selling them to the, to the world, and, and that's how you make a living. But I want you to consider becoming fishers of men. And I can almost imagine, because I, I feel like I've been there before, when, uh, you know, just a, as a man who was living his life, had my own business, just doing my own thing, and then one day God says, you know what, I want you to consider this, Dave, and I'm like, not on your life. And the reason my response was that, because I, I was looking at my own adequacies, I was looking at my own abilities, and, and I knew that there was nothing in me that that was capable of doing anything more than what I was already doing, but what I wasn't considering even for a moment was how God has this remarkable ability to not call the equipped, but to equip the called. And this would be the lesson that the disciples, these four and the others, would learn as Jesus continued to teach them and as Jesus continued to pour into them and as Jesus continued to do just really remarkable things in their life as they began to become more aware of the role in which God had given them and this amazing privilege to be a part of something much bigger than themselves. Suddenly, in just a moment, they had become, uh, they, were, they were participating in something much bigger than themselves, their life, and even what was going on in their community. I mean, what? What Jesus was presenting to them was the ability to leverage their life for the kingdom of God and to make an impact, listen to this, that would be global. That would be global. It would go out beyond the city limits. It would go out beyond anything that they had ever imagined. And so we see this happening. We see this beginning to take place. And so I want us this morning to look at what it is that we can take away 
from this passage? What is it that we can learn from this passage? What is it that as we look into this passage that we see so clearly that it just, it teaches us and it equips us and it, it helps us to understand more how we can leverage our life for God's kingdom? Now, here's the first thing I believe that we see as we look at this text this morning. We see the plan. We see the plan. Now, what plan I'm talking about is not the plan of man, but the plan of God. We see the sovereign plan of God beginning to take root. We see the sovereign plan of God coming to a place, not a fruition, but a beginning. And so as Jesus presents these ideas to these men, we begin to see that there was, there was something really amazing happening here. And one of the things that I, I really want us to be aware of is that, is that there is nothing that Jesus does without intentionality. We see that over and over and over throughout the Gospels as we read through the Gospels, as we read the story of Jesus, we begin to notice that everything he does, he does for a reason. Why? Because he has a sovereign plan to accomplish the will of the Father. You see, the Father had sent the Son to walk on this earth, to live a life of sinlessness, to ultimately go to the cross where he would die and he would bleed and his blood would atone for the sins of the world. And so all of this was a part of God's plan, his sovereign plan. And as he was preparing to do that, these are the first things that we see. Now, here's what's really remarkable about this, because all that God is, everything that he is, and all that he is capable of, which is everything, he could have certainly pulled this off without any help from any individual, but what we begin to see is that Jesus walks into the presence of these four men, and he calls them, he invites them to be a part of something much bigger than themselves, to be a part of the plan. And that's really remarkable to me. I want you to look at something here. You know, we look at this in verse 18 and it says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. And I don't know about you, but as you were to continue reading, if you were to continue reading right there, it's almost as if this, 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 this sentence, the way it's written, would lend us to believe that Jesus is just simply walking on a beautiful day. I can almost imagine it being a sunny day. It's a beautiful day, and he's walking along there, and he's, he's walking. He's gone down by the, by the lake. I mean, we all like on a good summer day going out to the lake, don't we? And, and so he's at the lake, and he's having a good stroll, and he's just enjoying the day, and he, he, he looks over, and he sees some fishermen, and he says, you know what? It'd be nice to have some company with me today. Let me just say this, that is not at all what's taking place in this passage. And if we read this passage and we think that, that somehow, some way, this event that took place in human history was just sort of a happenstance where Jesus was out enjoying the day and he saw some guys and he said, hey, they look like cool guys, let me just chat with them for a minute then we've got the wrong picture because we're not seeing the big picture, which is the sovereign plan of God, the sovereignty of God working in the lives, bringing the gospel message. And even though Jesus could have gone out and he could have preached the gospel and he could have done it without you or me or even the disciples back then, he could have done that. He chose to use man. And that's what makes it so beautiful. Jesus 
is going to ultimately take 12 people that he invites to belong to something much greater than themselves. He is going to take 12 men in which he invites to participate in the kingdom God work of his life. And listen to this. Every one of us that are sitting here this morning, he invites as well to participate in something bigger than ourselves. That's what makes God so beautiful. That's what makes God so wonderful to me because I find myself, even to this day, even after responding to a call to ministry, even after living my life and, and, and carrying out my duties as a, as a pastor and, and just as a Christian man and a, and, a, and a Christian husband and a Christian father and a Christian grandfather, even, even in all of that, there, there are times in my life where I look within and I say, I don't belong here. I'm not worthy of carrying out what God has, has, has allowed me to carry out. I, I'm not worthy uh, of the position. I'm not worthy uh, uh, of, the, of the calling. I'm not worthy of anything. I look at myself, and, I, and when I begin to look inward and I begin to think about my own, my own abilities, it scares me to death that God has called a man like me to do anything. To do anything. But it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do through me. It's God's work, not mine. And that's what we see unfolding here is Jesus walks into Galilee and he begins to speak to these men and he begins to set them on a path. Listen to this, a journey. He places their feet on a path and they begin a journey that is gonna blow their mind. going to blow their mind. And so we have the plan. There was a kingdom coming. And Jesus was the head. And Jesus wanted disciples who would share it with him. In his book, The Gospel According to Jesus, I love what John MacArthur once wrote. He once wrote this. He says, Jesus was on a divine clock, a divine calendar functioning in response to God's plan. He began his ministry at the right point when John was cast into prison, talking about John the Baptist, and in the right place in Galilee of the Gentiles where he would have had the greatest hearing and there was the most openness and the most potential and the greatest need. Jesus is about to unleash the gospel on the world. Jesus is about to bring the message of hope and peace and love and unity. Jesus is about to bring the message of salvation and sanctification to the world. And he says, I want you to be a part of that. Amen. Give praise to God. Amen. My prayer this morning is that we would see the significance of this because, my, my friends, we are not just Christians. We are set in place by Christ who has given us the ability to be Christians in this world, and he has invited us to be a part of something much greater than anything we could do on our own, and we should never take that for granted. Amen.
ever take that for granted. We should never, ever take that for granted. God is doing something remarkable in my life. He's doing something remarkable in your life, and he calls us not to waste that. Do not waste your life that Christ has given you. So we have the plan. Listen to this, John 15, 16, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. The second thing that we take away from this, the second thing that we see is the promise. So we've looked at the plan, the sovereign plan of God. We've looked at that. We've seen it, and we see the plan that, that Jesus is, is beginning. He's launching the sovereign plan to, to ultimately found and launch the church, his disciples, those followers of Christ Jesus. And it wasn't by happenstance. But then what he does next is he offers to them the promise. Let's look at this for just a moment. Notice what Jesus says to them in verse 19. He says this. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I can only imagine that that was the first time they had ever heard the phrase fishers of men. All their life they were catching sardines. They were catching, I don't know what's in the Sea of Galilee, brim, bass. I mean, you know, whatever is there. They're catching these fish and and, and, and suddenly, you know, they're, they're working, they're tending the nets, they're, they're on the boat, and they're, they're doing their job. And, and as they do that, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and you've got to wonder, you know, that what they were thinking. It's like, what is this man talking about? I mean, at that moment, you had a couple of options. Either Jesus was a lunatic, or he was a prophet, Right? I mean, he was, I mean, he, what, what is this? Who is this guy? What, who was Jesus? As they hear these words, as Jesus is, is telling them, come with me, not just come with me, but follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How intriguing that would have been. I hope that this morning as we look at this and we begin to try to understand how this is relevant to who we are as believers and followers of Christ Jesus that we would be intrigued by this as well because the invitation that was given to 12 men is the same invitation that's given to us. Jesus is saying to you this morning, and I know where you go so often, you say, well, not me, I'm, I'm so unworthy. There's so much baggage in my past. Jesus couldn't possibly want me. Let me just tell you this, that is a lie of the devil and he does want you and he wants to save you and he wants you to find out that he came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Stop believing the flesh. Stop believing an enemy who wants to destroy you and start listening to the truth of God's word where Jesus himself says, I came that you would be saved and not only be saved, but have an abundant life. It doesn't matter from this day forward what your past looks like. It, what matters is how you respond today to who Jesus is and what he's wanting to do in your life. 
And so Jesus makes this promise. He says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You know, what's really remarkable about this verse is so often we sort of attach it to Matthew 28, 19. We also attach it to Acts 1, 8 because we talk about in those two verses that we are called to be his witnesses, that we are called to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And, and so we look at this and we say, you know, Jesus, he called his disciples and he says, look, you're not gonna just be catching fish, sardines. You're gonna be catching men, talking about you're gonna cast the net and people are gonna come to know Jesus. And, and so a lot of times we'll use that. I, and, and when we start thinking about it in those terms, we can look at that and, and the, the promise that Jesus is making here can seem to us sort of daunting. It can seem more like work and we're like, I don't know if I wanna follow you and you make me fishers of men because that might be hard, that might be tough, that might be difficult. It may be something that I don't necessarily wanna get involved in. And so, but Jesus is making this promise. And, and what I wanna propose to you today is that I believe this this invitation is not just to a work. I don't think this invitation is just to a duty or a command to go and make disciples. I believe it has everything to do with that, but I also believe that what he is really inviting them to is phenomenal life change in their own life. And here's what I mean by that. One of the greatest blessings that we could ever have is when we begin to pour into other people and we begin to see those people come to know Jesus. And when we begin to see those people come to Jesus, and we begin to see the Holy Spirit begin to sanctify their hearts, and we begin to see the spiritual growth take place in their life, and we see all of this happening, I'm gonna promise you this, that one of the greatest blessings that you would ever receive, one of those things that brings you more fulfillment in your life is seeing someone else's life that you had a part in being blown up by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working in their life. I'm telling you what, there is nothing greater than seeing the work of God in those who he has given to you to pour into and to disciple. There is nothing that, that you could even know today that is greater than this, that God wants to use your life as leverage to impact the lives of others. And so here, when Jesus invites these disciples to come and to be fishers of men, you see, they may be thinking, oh, he's gonna put us to work gathering men. They may be thinking that, you may be thinking that this morning, but I believe what Jesus is wanting and knowing that is, is that they're gonna receive the greatest blessing of their life. There is something beautiful about feeding the hungry. There is something beautiful about wrapping a coat or a garment around a homeless person. There is something where you begin to carry out the things that God has given you to be the hands and the feet of Christ, that when you begin to carry these things out, you begin to feel very warm inside and you begin to experience the blessing of God and God begins to fill up your heart because of this task that you may be doing with your life, but it no longer becomes a task. It becomes a blessing. And so I believe that when Jesus says, I want you to become fishers of men, they may not have known at the moment, but I bet you later they figured out that one of the greatest blessings in their life was throwing down nets that catch fish and going after the souls of men and women. 
What a blessing. And so he makes this promise. You know, to stay where they were was to just pull fish out of a lake and hammer out a living, provide for their family. But what Jesus invites them to is he invites them into a life that they could never imagine. Here's two of the greatest blessings I think that we can receive just following Jesus. The first one is salvation. Every single one of us in this room, if we are redeemed, if we have been forgiven, if we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, if if we are believers and followers and Christians, if Christ has impacted our life in those ways, salvation becomes one of the greatest blessings that we have because it speaks of eternal life. You, you know, we, we started with verse 18, but if you were to go back just one verse, you see what Jesus was doing as he walked up on these men. In verse 17, it says this. It says, from, the time, from that time Jesus began to preach, he says, repent, for the kingdom of, his, of heaven is at hand. And then, in verse 19, after challenging these fishermen to follow him, he, come, he says, to throw down their nets, he says, follow me. And so here's what's happening. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. He is preaching the gospel of salvation. He is preaching to all who would hear this message of hope and salvation. And he says, repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, And then he sees these two guys as he's preaching this gospel, as he's preaching this message of salvation. He looks and he sees a couple of guys and he says, I want them to be my disciples. He chose them. They didn't chose him. We see that in the scripture, that's the way it works. And so he looks at them and he challenges them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they threw down their nets and they followed him and they entered into this place of salvation. Now, following Jesus requires a lot. It requires sacrifice. It, it requires not, no longer being who we used to be, but it, it requires us following Jesus as Jesus has transformed our hearts and our lives as he has saved us. And these men, they respond to the salvation of Christ Jesus. But secondly, we also see that they begin to recognize this eternal purpose where Jesus has said to them, I will make you fishers of men. And so suddenly, they no longer have just the purpose of gathering fish out of the lake each and every day, but they have a global purpose of making a difference in other people's life. And Jesus, what he promises them is the blessing of making a difference. I understand how this pouring into others can be a great blessing. Not only for the people that come to know Jesus, but for yourself. I remember the very first day I met Michael Buffalo. Michael serves as our family pastor today, but I remember the very first day I met him. I had just taken a position with Greenwood Baptist Church as their student pastor and we were, at the, we were at Mackey Park one day. It was a sort of an outing there with the faith family. And we were gathered in the park. And I looked up 
And probably about from here to the coffee bar, I, I see this guy or a girl, I can't tell because they're in a dairy cow outfit. They're in a costume. And they're in this dairy cow. There's this huge dairy cow walking toward me, okay? And in his hands is a huge water blaster water gun. I'm one of these super soakers. You know what I'm talking about? One pull of that thing and you are soaked from head to toe. And this cow is coming toward me. He's approaching me. And as I'm standing there, I'm talking to different people. I'm trying to get to know the people of, of Greenwood. And I've got my eye, kind of like you would a terrorist today, when you see someone sort of approaching and they, they have a weapon in their hand. And, I, and so I'm talking and I'm looking, and I'm talking and I'm looking. And the guy has no doubt set his sights on me, okay? And he's coming straight at me. And he's walking, he's getting closer, and I'm just watching him. And, I'm, and, and suddenly, the people I'm talking though uh, with, I guess they knew who the man in the costume were because it's one of those moments where everybody kind of looks up, they see him, and they go, oh. And everybody backs away. And this guy walks up to me with this super soaker and standing about two feet away from me, he points that super soaker at me and he says, Run. I said, no, I'm not running from you now, and I'm never running from you. And I braced for the water. And this cow that's pointing this super soaker at me, he stomps his foot, and he goes, oh, man, you take the fun out of everything. Like he was six. Now, he was this tall. But he walked away with his friend. He said, come on, let's go find another somebody who will be a little more fun than this guy, right? And I won that day. Man, I won. But what I didn't realize was that in that costume was a guy named Michael Buffalo who later would take off the costume and would, I would discover he was a part of this faith family and that part of my role was to disciple this clown, this silly guy and, and, and so I began to pour into him, and I thought, I, I said, Jesus, boy, have you given me a task. I mean, to grow this one is going to be amazing. But isn't it amazing to see people grow in their faith? And, and one of the things I noticed about, about Michael is he began to grow, and I began to notice in this man leadership potential. And, and I remember one day calling him over, and I, I just challenged him with this truth. I said, Michael, have you ever considered what God might want to do with you. Maybe it's a little time to sort of put the silliness to the side and to embrace some leadership that, that, that I believe you have the potential of carrying out. And, and we begin to, to just see him grow and he began to be nurtured in his faith and, and, and he became someone totally different today. Let me ask you a question today. Is that the Michael, you don't have to answer this, but is that the Michael Buffalo that we see today? No, we see a man who God has just matured and grown in such a way that he has promised he's gonna soak me after the service today. So maybe he's not grown that much, but we see a man who's been transformed by the power and the presence of God in his life. We see a guy who is, who is very immature in his faith, who's now serving as our family pastor here in this church. Could we praise God this morning for the way he works in people's life? And can I just tell you this morning that the greatest blessing of my life is knowing that God used me as the hands and feet of Christ to teach him everything he knows, all the smart stuff. 
Now, the little silly things, I never taught him those things, okay? So he got that somewhere else. But No, it's, it's such a blessing. And, and if you're around Michael, if you're around me, if you're around us together, you'll usually hear something like this, that he sees me as his father in ministry, and I see him as my son in, my, in ministry. He's, there's a closeness, there's a bond. There's something beautiful about that. And here's what's really remarkable about our relationship is that God gives you the opportunity to have a relationship that as well as he leverages your life for his kingdom. If, you don't, if you're not able to look around and see that there's somebody in your life that you can pour into and that you can disciple as a, as a disciple of Christ, then your eyes are closed. Because there's always someone. There's always somebody. I've got to really hurry. I told him this was going to be a shorter message because we're doing the Lord's Supper, and it's not. So Jesus invited his disciples on a journey to change the world. Now let me ask you this. As we get ready to close out this, this message, have you ever thought about how he might want to use you to impact the world? Chances are you're just like those disciples sitting in a boat minding your own business. And God's wanting to do something remarkable in your life. The last thing that we see here is the response. And I want to quickly go through this, but the response. Our passage reveals that for all of these men, listen to this, it says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What was their response? Immediately, they followed him. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. The most important step of your life being used as leverage for God's kingdom is being a follower of Christ Jesus. There's no way to be used by God if that's not a reality in your world. And so, what we come to know is that the first thing that must happen is that we must be followers of Christ Jesus. And obviously that means this life of faith and surrender. In Mark 1, 15, Jesus said this. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. There is never a greater time in the world to respond to Jesus than immediately. When God tugs on your heart, when God stirs your soul, the greatest time in which to respond to Jesus is immediately. There's never a greater time than immediately. God wants to change your life. And your life is not always about you. It's about what Jesus wants to do with you and in you and through you. One of the things I realize about 
what Jesus has done with these men is he's called them into inconvenience. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, their lives were set. They had a good job. They were tending to, they had boats. They were, they owned boats. They had equipment. They had a, they had a business. And he says, I want you to leave all that behind. It says to some of them, they even had, had parents that they left behind. I mean, this is not a call to easy street. This is a call to inconvenience. But as the Spirit of God laid on their heart, God's calling for their life, their response was immediate. This morning, God may be speaking into your life, and maybe He's done this a thousand times before. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I just don't know what to do with this. I don't know when to do with what I'm feeling. And I would say to you this morning, right now. Right now. There's never been a greater time.